Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. We are restless until we rest in Him and we enter into a relationship with Him when He invites us and we receive Him and we are in Christ because we've entered into Christ. So many of us are static in our Christian life. Something's happened to us. We haven't matured. We, we're not progressing with the moment of transformation. Why are we not growing up? The truth is God created you for a full and meaningful life. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young begins a sermon called Abundant Living, where he shares how through Jesus, you can enjoy the full life God wants for you. So stay where you are. Proven truth about finding true joy in relationships is coming up on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today's message, Abundant Living, here's Dr. Young. We've been talking about having a life coach a long time. Then we move from having a life coach to talking about how do we proceed and progress in our Christian walk. And I looked at some verses, and I reviewed them again, like John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and might have life abundantly. And I looked again at that word abundant, abundantly, and it's such a pregnant word. It means that we are surrounded by beauty, by excellence, by an overcoming, overwhelming presence. We are surrounded with overflowing ministry to our lives and our needs. That's the abundant life. And I thought, am I experiencing that abundant life? Are you experiencing that abundant life? Then I looked again at John chapter 15. We talked about that. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branch, remember? Now on that branch, if we just abide in the vine, we're the branches. He'll hang fruit on our lives. And I looked up that fruit, and therefore we need to have some of that love and joy, and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, discipline. And I said, is some of that beginning to come out in my life? Is it beginning to come out in your life? And then I looked over and remembered that little verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation in Christ. New creation. All things are passed away. Everything has become new. And I asked myself, are all things passed away? Is everything becoming new? Then I looked at the end of John 15, and as we talked about, we were bare fruit, then there's much fruit, then there's more fruit. And then Jesus says, as he has been obedient to the commandment of the Father, 
The Father has bathed him in his love, and he says, as you, that's you and I, if we are obedient to him and walk with him, he bathes us in his love. And I stopped and said, am I being bathed in the love of Jesus Christ? Are you being bathed in the love of Jesus Christ? Then the latter part of John 15, there's that tremendous Christian word, joy. That's it, isn't it? So you look at all the benefits of being in Christ, and we back up and say, what does it mean to be in Christ? To be in a relationship. You don't say for a relationship, with a relationship. You're in a relationship. So when we say we are in Christ, it means that we believe in Jesus, but we entered into a relationship with Jesus the Christ. Zip line. Well, the group that knew what that is left. So anyway, <laughs> a zip line. And I can stand and say, I believe in that zip line, it will take me across this valley. But I have to take and clip on and get in that little seat, and then I am into the zip line, right? I believed in, and now I am into as zip, I go across the valley. When we're in Christ, it means that we have been invited and we have entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that? Are you experiencing that? Am I experiencing that kind of personal relationship with Christ? I'm in Christ and you're in Christ because we have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, everything in the world has a place to belong. Everything. A tree belongs in the ground where it is surrounded and it grows. It is nourished and it grows. A tree has a place to belong, right? A fish has a place to belong in water, surrounded where it grows. No danger of being caught by this crowd, but anyway, a fish has a place to belong. A tree has a place to belong. Anything you name in the created order, it has a place to belong. Human beings, you and I have a place to belong. Augustine said it best. In a paraphrase, he said, you will be restless, your life, your heart will be restless until you rest, get this phrase, in him. In him. That's where we find rest. We have a place to belong, but we are restless until we rest in him and we enter into a relationship with him when he invites us and we receive him and we are in Christ because we've entered into Christ. Therefore, why are we not growing up? <laughs> yeah. Why are we not growing up? So many of us are static in our Christian life. We're, we're, we're just, something's happened to us. We haven't matured. We, we're not progressing with the moment of transformation. Scripture, 
passage in Hebrews in your bulletin, passage in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. A little verse is nestled down there against all the definitions of love. And the verse says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. No, it goes on and talks about why are we still children? Why are we still immature in Christ? Why are you and I? That doesn't have anything to do with age all the time. There are some people who are 70 who are very immature, some people who are 19 who are very mature in Christ. What happened to us? We're still babies. What's the characteristic of a baby? Four things. A baby does only four things. Sleeps, cries, eats, and poops. (laughs) That's it. A baby doesn't know what's going on. Babies, that's all it. Eats, sleeps, cries, poops. That's a baby. And the scripture says in Hebrews, and the scripture says in Corinthians, that some of us who are in Christ, we have entered into Christ, we're still children. We're still immature. And we've been talking about growing up in Christ. So how do we know that we are in that process of being mature in the Lord? How do we know? What are some things? So first of all, we have to have a transformed mind. If our minds are being transformed, that's a clue that we're growing up. And we looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2, how many times? Be not conformed to this world, be ye what? Transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Computer talk. We renew our mind by what we put in our minds, and we renew it. And Christ, the Holy Spirit, renews our minds, our thinking, because we're surrounded by the wisdom of the world, natural wisdom, worldly wisdom. And we have little cliches, little sayings that describe worldly wisdom. You hear them all the time. We say that's not true, but yet we are part of that environment. A statement like, The one who has the most toys at the end wins. Ever heard that one? Or if you don't toot your own horn, who will toot it? Ever heard that one? That's worldly wisdom. And we're surrounded by people who operate on that basis. Get more, have more, enjoy more. You only live once. Have all the gusto that you can. Worldly wisdom. But also when we are in Christ, we receive a different kind of mindset and therefore begin to have supernatural wisdom. What does supernatural wisdom? It works in a different dimension, a different area. And we begin to understand phrases like, he is no fool, who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Hmm, that is supernatural wisdom. One life to live soon will be passed. Only what you've done for God will last. Supernatural wisdom. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Supernatural. Every day with Jesus is sweeter, better than the day before. Supernatural wisdom, not just church talk. And you see, 
We are with this wisdom, this supernatural wisdom, the potential of the mind of Christ being created in you and being created in me. We have a whole different worldview. You ever talk to people and you think something is so clear in this direction, but they think it's so clear in the other direction? They're operating from a different understanding in their mind of the world. It's a worldview. Let me give you a quick look, a pedestrian look at the worldview. Look at it. Where did I come from? Biblical worldview, creation. We're creating the image of God. What's the secular worldview? Time and chance, time and chance. If you look at the world in that way, with that givenness, where we come from, see how you come out in a totally different place. What's wrong with the world? The fall, original sin. Humans not responsible. The, the secular world would say, we're all born good. We just, children get messed up. They're, everybody's born with a good heart, a good mind. Erroneous. Totally flawed. Different view of the world. Uh, is there a solution? Atonement through God, Christ, death, resurrection, Strive for utopian society. That's the worldview. What is my purpose? Doing God's will. Restoring the fallen world. Glorifying God, enjoying him forever, the confession says. To feel good, enjoy myself. See how someone comes out over here with this worldview and we come out over here if you have the mind of Christ being developed in you and being developed in me? Totally different. So a mark that we are maturing is that we are developing a transformed mind. Also, another mark that we're maturing is we're developing a transformed heart. Uh, what makes your heart beat fast? That's a good question. Think about that. What makes your heart beat fast? Some who follow sports. Five years ago, when the Aggies were playing Texas, I'm telling you, I was so excited about that game. Who won? You don't even know Keith. <laughs> I mean, what makes our heart beat fast? You know, determine what makes my heart beat fast. What makes your heart beat fast? It determines something of what our heart is set on. It is out of the passion of the heart. As, as a man thinketh, so is he. We think in one way, we develop in the mind of Christ, then our heart speaks to us, gives a passion to follow through on that. See, that's the difference. We follow through. The word believe, big pregnant word in the Bible. You say, only believe. You say, well, that's not enough to be a Christian. Oh, yes, it is when you understand the word believe is made up of two words, belief and trust. You believe in Christ, you trust in Christ, that's the follow through. And that's what makes your heart and my heart beat faster. The things of God, the body of Christ. If we're not growing, we get cavalier about the church. This is his body functioning in the world. We're cavalier about being stewards to the church, knowing this is where God does business. You think what all these kids pay to go to the beach, that covers everything. Not by a million miles. It's the tithes and offerings of this church and gifts that enable us to take hundreds of kids that would not go the next two weeks. And everything we do to make a difference in the name of Christ in this world, in this place. That makes my heart beat fast. It should make your heart beat fast. 
When this choir sings, when a soloist stands up, man, that makes my heart beat fast. That's the things of God. So that is a transformed heart. We're learning how to worship. Oh, learn how to be lost in wonder and in praise. How long have you been lost in wonder and praise? That's corporate worship. That's private worship. That's worship with the heart, the passion, the emotion. Transformed heart. That's a sign we're growing, maturing. And also transformed eyes. What do you see? What do you see? Oh, here we go. Some of us look out and we have rose-colored glasses. We see everybody. You are beautiful. Everybody's wonderful. We're all going to be healthy and rich and wise and have fun. And Oh, rose-colored glasses. Just can't see anything but marvelous stuff. Is that developing mature? Spiritual eyes, the eyes that Christ would have. Rose-colored glasses. I want to give these away. Who would like some rose-colored glasses? Come right here. Good, good. Good, try them on. I think they'll fit. And then we've got all these other kinds. We've got this group. Everything is bad. It's dark. I can't see any good in anybody. And there can be a marvelous things listed, 99 great things, and this person, oh, look at this. Look at this. Years ago in the Masters Golf Tournament, uh, the professional told the caddy that you'll not find any weeds anywhere in this tournament. And, and, and so about the third day there, the caddy is walking with the bag and said, look, there's a weed. One weed. Acres. Oh, it's all bad. God help you if you're married to somebody who's born in the negative case. Oh, you'll go straight to heaven. If that's you, you need to have your eyes transformed in Christ. We got any negative case people out here? I won't even look, but somebody come and get it. You need to have it. Oh, we got to take her. Oh, we had the, God will transform our eyes. Oh, yeah, let me be quick. And here's somebody sees only gold. Boy, everything is rich here. I won't have to. Oh, it's a matter of money, folks. It's a matter of possession. That's all it is. They see everything looks like a dollar sign to you. Uh, here's a dollar sign right here. No, it's not. He's got God his love on his shirt. He's got it right. And then there is those who have Gray. Everything is gray. <laughs> this is somebody who says, yeah, I, I love this. This is somebody who says, you, ever, you have your truth and I have my truth. Run from somebody that ignorant. Truth is truth. There is objective truth. But everything is gray. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you're sincere. There are many roads to heaven, and you just take the road that you... Listen, folks, this is absolutely worldly nonsense, and you're not seeing right. Everything is gray. Do we have a gray... Uh, no, 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 I'm teasing. All right, this is the best one. 
This is the best one right here. These are mirrored glasses you see right here. We look, but we don't wear them like that. We wear them like a selfie. <laughs> it's all about me. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm so narcissistic that I appear to be humble well, you'll be proud of me and recognize my humility. <laughs> Narcissistic. Oh, yeah. The world is surrounded by north, south, east, and west by Edith. Do we have any selfies that are here? Where did we get into this? It used to be, you know, you take a picture, we've got a confessed selfie over here. <laughs> good, good, good. We got one honest person all the place. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ will transform your eyes. Transform your eyes. And th there's even more to it than this. It's in the bag. He'll do more than that. If we are growing, remember where we are. Don't get lost in this. If we are growing, if I am growing up in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're developed, and our mind changes. By the way, the teenagers are basically gone. Did you know teenagers, their frontal lobes are not connected even until they're 18 or maybe even 27? That's true. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I called Dr. Carson yesterday and asked him that. I thought he thought I was crazy, but he said, no, that's true. That's the reason. All the legitimizing of marijuana in Colorado and Washington and other places is a deadly thing to teenagers because their frontal lobes are not connected yet. And he says that is a scientific fact. That's the reason teenagers sometimes will not understand the importance of delayed gratification. Some of us didn't get that as teenagers, did we? That I understand that my action right here will affect how other people feel. They don't get that because physiologically their lobes have not connected yet. And the tragedy is some of our lobes have connected and we still don't get that, do we? <laughs> but that's the process of transformation. The mind, the heart, the eyes, and the feet. If we're growing, our feet are being transformed. By the way, does anybody know why in China for many years and even some places today, they would take young female Chinese babies and bind their feet so their feet would stay small? Uh, if, if a Chinese female has, has a size, grows only two inches, that's considered a gold standard. Four inches, it's a silver standard. Why? Why was that done, and why is it still done in place of China? Can anybody tell me? Be careful. Be careful. You better really know. I'm going to come after you because I know. Yes, sir. Tell me. Tell me who? Somebody. A plus. He said to make them dependent, rely on their husbands. He's exactly right. See what happens. How'd you know that? What? You watched the documentary a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Wonderful. The only person that watched, that's probably. <laughs> probably. Let me tell you, that's what they do. They, they would bind the young female children where they could not walk well. They had to depend on their husband. They'd be dependent their whole lives. In other words, they'd remain childlike, right? They'd remain childlike. 
A lot of us are childlike with our feet in the sense of directions that we take. We go where we're pushed. We go where there's motivation. We go where we think we'll look good or we'll have pleasure. And you see, when we have transformed feet, we have more sense of how we'll spend our time. We talk about tithing, giving 10% of our income or more than that if we're more than blessed. Nobody tithes their time. Somebody says, well, I'll tithe their time. Well, get your calendar out and see how you're doing. <laughs> no, you're not. So time, discipline, transformed feet, a sense of direction in life, a will, a purpose in life. That's a part of growing up and being matured. And then finally, we'll have transformed hands. Oh, yeah. If we're growing in Christ, we'll have transformed hands. You say, what are you talking about? We'll have hands with what I call kingdom calluses. Kingdom calluses. Tolstoy, in one of his novels, wrote about the ideal czar would have a palace in which anyone in his realm of control could come and be fed and sit at his table. The only qualification is when they came to the gate, they would say, show me your hands, and if your hands were slick like mine, it meant you didn't work and you would not eat with the czar. But if your hands were callous, they would welcome you in and you would sit and banquet with the king, with the czar. So in Matthew 25, the judgment, Jesus is on the judgment seat, remember? And a lot of people there are excited because they think, boy, I, I'm in the kingdom. I made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I was baptized in the church. I, I profess to be a Christian. I'm okay. And Jesus is going to say, let me see your hands. You may not be okay because let me see your hands. What do you mean? Because there was a group who thought they were okay, and Jesus said, no, you're a bunch of goats. <laughs> you're not sheep. You're goats. They said, we thought we were okay. And Jesus said, you know, I was hungry. You didn't give me anything to eat. He said, I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything to drink. And he said to these who thought they were okay because they had professed faith, he said, you know, I was in prison. You didn't visit me. Sick, didn't come to see me. And they said, Lord, we didn't know you were hungry. or We didn't know you were sick. We didn't know you need clothes. We didn't know you were in prison. And Jesus said, if you've done it under the one of the nobodies, the least of me, you didn't do it to them, therefore you didn't do it to me because that's who I was. And they didn't have calloused hands. And they were condemned. Why? Our profession leads to a life. It leads to maturity. It leads to as we begin to develop a transformed mind, a transformed heart, transformed feet. We develop until we develop transformed hands. Show me your hands. All right, all right, let me tell you something. The nail-scarred hand of Jesus, when we graduate in this earth, will reach down and be thrilled to take hold of a kingdom calloused hands who have served in his name, a hand that has bled, a hand that has kept, 
The hand-scarred hand of Jesus loves to hold a hand like that. Show me your hands. Show me your hands. Tell you something about getting to heaven. Let's look at three things. Three things. Biblical principles. We will begin in heaven where we left off on earth. Does that worry you? <laughs> if you're not going to develop, it should worry us. Where we leave off here, we'll begin in heaven. Next point. Each will be enjoying God with the capacity we bring with us. Uh-oh. I take it to a basketball game I love. I know basketball, and I would look at it with one level. Some of you look at it with what? Take me to a symphony with a fabulous orchestra. You who are musicians would enjoy it with one level. I would enjoy it with a lesser level. I'm the loser because I didn't enjoy it in the level. I, I'm not equipped to do that. My ear, my mind has not been trained like it should, just like you would enjoy basketball because you haven't been trained like perhaps you should. So what I'm saying, each of us will be enjoying God with the capacity we bring with us. You say, well, there's going to be ranks in heaven. Yes, but we don't know it. That's the third point. Everybody's cup will be full, but some cups will be larger. That's heaven. In other words, I'll have my little teacup there. It'll be full. I'll feel okay, but I'll miss so much that's there. You'll have a cup that may be larger. It will be Feel the capacity, mind is filled the capacity, and it will be deeper because we bring there as we've been growing and develop in the kingdom with our calluses. So this is the impetus for you and for me to grow up in Christ. To ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, look at my mind. Do some work of transformation there and spell it out. Be exact. Be specific. Don't just pray, Lord, forgive me of all my many sins. That is silly. Name them. That's serious. Transform mind. Transform heart. Transform feet. Oh, yeah. Transform eyes. Transform hands. Let me see your hands. They're still hands of a child in Christ. Child. My dad, when I was about 15, had a cerebral hemorrhage right here. My dad was, you've heard me say, Hardest working man that anybody who knew him had ever seen. He held two jobs most all of my years at home. Two jobs. He would shave at night about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night so he wouldn't be slowed down going to work next morning at 4.30. He didn't want to be slowed down. I had to shave. That's my dad. He'd work eight hours, go take the first job. The second job, he worked another eight hours. That's how he operated Hardest working man you've ever seen in your life. But he had never sick, really. But out of the blue, he had this several hemorrhage. He'd been a Christian then maybe two or three years. He was a babe in Christ. And so they diagnosed what his problem was in our little town, but 
They had nothing to do about it. We didn't have any funding to go anywhere else. But my, one of the sisters of my mother had married a man who'd been successful in Malvern, Arkansas. And they came, and out of his generosity, he arranged for my dad to go to Turo Infirmary in New Orleans to see what they could do about this cerebral hemorrhage. And they diagnosed it. They had two ways to approach it. They could cut the skull open, prepare it like an inner tube or something, but that was high risk in those days, and that's not what they did. Instead, they went and they blocked off the arteries on one side of the neck, and you've got arteries that can function when this artery is clogged up, and they blocked it off to take the pressure off this side. You block here, pressure off here, and that is what they did. So they one in the operating room, and another one of my mother's sister was a nurse. And she was allowed to go in there, and when they rerouted your blood, that's literally what happens. Your blood is rerouted when this happens in your body. When that happened, my dad died on the operating table. But he, came, he was brought back to life, began to recover. And when he began to function again, my aunt, who'd been there with him when he medically died, asked, said, Homer, do you know you died on the operating table? He said, yes, I know that. He said, I went to heaven. He said, I was in heaven and everything was golden. Now, let me tell you something. A lot of people have all these spooky visions and stuff, and I just look at them twice. Do I have to tell you that was nothing like my dad? He was a redneck among rednecks, a blue-collar guy, no nonsense, period. So when my dad said he went to heaven and all heaven was gold, you didn't have to say, I wonder if he really went. You knew. But he said what troubled me was. He said, I wanted to stay, but I couldn't quite understand, but I was a little baby. He lived another 16 years. I wish I could tell you he became a biblical scholar, a giant, but he did not have that capacity. But I can tell you he began to change as he got into Scripture, first time in his life, and, and little subtle things we begin to notice. Because I'm sure in his trip to heaven today, he did not want to be a baby. Grow up in Christ. Grow up in Christ. That's what he's calling upon you and me to do is to let the Lord Jesus Christ continue to transform us. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. As we close, we have Dr. Young in the studio coming out of today's message. Dr. Young, no matter where we are in our faith, if we recognize that to some extent we're all spiritual babies, what do you recommend as the next steps in our walk with the Lord? Well, we grow stronger by worshiping every day. And that's our quiet time. That's our devotional time with Him. We go stronger by putting our faith into action. Uh, faith without works is dead. It doesn't mean we're saved by our works, but it means our faith in Jesus Christ is dead unless it evokes into a lifestyle that functions in the kingdom of God. As always, that's really very helpful. Thank you, Dr. Young. 
You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.